0: What's up, everybody? This is Grant at Cause Artist. Uh, this is another conversation I had while I was in Chicago. I met up with uh, Vashali Umrakar, who is the founder of The Empowerment Bag, and we went through a lot of different topics, a little bit tougher to talk about. So The Empowerment Bag empowers women who have survived or are in harm of being sex trafficked, and it, it's really just a conversation about you know, how we as consumers can can buy a simple product as a bag and really um, empower women around the world and, and impact their life and, and give people a purpose um, every day that, that they don't have to obviously, you know, go do some pretty horrific things just just to get by um, or to smuggled into into that environment. It, it's just a really interesting, interesting perspective on you know how she found out about sex trafficking in general, uh, as just a student in high school, um, and then how that, how reading books and, and watching documentaries really inspired her to, you know, start this company that's impacting women every day. It, it can be a little bit overwhelming at times, just because it's a tough subject matter. But I think we hit on a lot of good points about. You know being inspired by other people's work that may ignite something in you and, and help and want and help you start a company yourself um, and we go through a lot of the ins and outs of what it's like to find a ethical fashion supplier right and, and kind of go through the initial stages of even starting a quote-unquote ethical brand um, so we get into ins and outs of that and then we just also get into some stories um, that are pretty powerful that she tells hope you guys enjoy it have a good one so I always like to start with When people ask you what the Empowerment Bag is, what do you say to them? What's the mission and overall vision for it?
1: Mm -hmm. So the Empowerment Bag is a brand of lifestyle bags that empower survivors of sex trafficking. Um, So all our bags are handmade by women who are at risk of sexual exploitation Mm -hmm. in West Bengal, India. Uh, There's a very big red light district there, Mm -hmm. uh, one of the biggest in India. Um, and there's so many young women, girls who are, who've either grown up in brothels with, Mm -hmm. um, mothers who are sex workers or, um, they just live in, in extreme poverty and it's, it's, they don't have a whole lot of choices as, as they're growing up. So, um, there's always someone around them they know that's doing sex work and they Mm -hmm. kind of get caught up in that. And, um, this is definitely not any kind of glamorous sex work where they're being paid their wages. Uh, so it is um, very much sexual exploitation. Um, and what we do is we work with these women to give them literacy skills, uh, sewing training, and obviously fair trade employment, um, and kind of help them rebuild their lives.
0: How did, do you even First, coming to discover about the sort of sex trade in India and sort of these women that are being exploited, and then trying to figure out how can how can you help them? How would you even how did you even come across that?
1: So that started way back in high school for me. I actually just picked up a random book on sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. It was called um, the Natasha's. Okay. it was about sex trafficking of eastern european women to the western world and i i mean i was kind of this like naive um you know probably 14 15 year old i read this and i was like oh my god what is this this is really happening and it's i was like wait i thought you know slavery was over with Mm -hmm. like what um what is this and i i'm pretty sure i sobbed through like half the book and it kept me up at night and i i just um i just knew that i had to do something about this in whatever small way i could Mm -hmm. so it started off with kind of just telling my friends about about sex trafficking Mm -hmm. what that meant um reading books about it watching documentaries and then i went on to to i went to college in minnesota and I kind of took up this advocacy sort of role. Um, I worked with a lot of different organizations on campus to raise awareness about mm-hmm. trafficking. Um, I guess it's it's very easy to get into like awareness raising because trafficking is happening everywhere in right. every country, definitely in the United States, um, in, in in the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I I just kind of started talking about the issue in Minnesota, um, and again just raising awareness amongst faculty, staff, students, Um, and then after I graduated from college, I, so I graduated with a sociology and anthropology degree. I wanted to do something still related to uh, raising awareness about trafficking, Mm -hmm. but I had a ton of student debt and somehow I got caught up in the corporate world. Mm. Um, I got offered like this nice cozy job and it was back home and I took it up. I'm from the Chicago area, went back, um, went back home, you know, it was, it was nice to be able to pay off the student loans pretty quickly, but about a year or two into that job, I just knew this wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I was getting lost. I was bored. I was unfulfilled. Um, and I started kind of reading and listening to podcasts about, um, how to turn your passion into Mm -hmm. profit. And I came across the idea of a social enterprise Mm -hmm. and what that meant and how we can actually be doing ethical, sustainable business, um, for profit Mm -hmm. while still making a big difference in the world. Um, so that's where I decided that I was going to create a business that was going to somehow fight sex trafficking right. and it was somehow going to make money.
0: <laughs> so when that idea came across your head, now you have to kind of figure out how to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So what were the first steps on like, okay, I want to start a bag business that, you know, helps, helps exploited women. Like what are the even first steps that, that you would take to do that?
1: Mm-hmm. So... When, you ha- when you're going to start a business, you obviously have to be selling a product mm-hmm. or a service. And I knew this would be a product-based business um, because I kind of always just imagine, like, I'm, I'm going to create some kind of um, item or items, and they're, they're going to be something that we all need and want. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be some kind of, like, raising awareness part of it. So that was the basic idea, and I literally just looked around, and I was like, what What do we need? What do mm-hmm. we, you know? What does everybody have? What do we tend to kind of buy a lot of? Right. And um, a couple ideas popped in my head, you know, clothes, um, food, mm-hmm. uh, accessories, and I just, I, I, I was a little apprehensive of getting into the clothing industry without having, like, any fashion background, sure. but I, I looked at bags, and I was like, okay, I don't really know anybody that's... Um, that's that's making bags that you know are that have that are somehow helping women in a big way um, that are also eco-friendly that look great Mm -hmm. and that can be worn by men and women that was a big part of this I, I throughout my time Raising awareness about trafficking, I'd seen a lot of women get, you know, get uh, pretty passionate about this issue, but I wasn't yet seeing that from the men, mm. and trafficking is an everybody issue. Um, it, ha- it happens even to, to boys, to men. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to make sure I create a product that isn't just for women, um, and I thought about making a bag, because we all have stuff to carry. Yep. <laughs> um so that's where that's where I I thought of a bag, and then I started kind of just doing market research mm-hmm. on different businesses out there. Um, how are they making the bags? Then I started looking at product design, like what kind of bag do I want to make, mm-hmm. um, and
0: how long was that process of you know idea and then actually you know having something real to go produce.
1: Um, I definitely spent a solid six to eight months, uh, just deciding what I what I wanted to make and kind of gathering like pictures and images of what kinds of bags and obviously I wasn't just going to take a bag and then copy it and make that so it would be like for one idea of a bag of a style I would have like 10 images because I Mm -hmm. would be like well I want a handle that kind of looks like this but then I'm going to tweak it and Mm -hmm. do this to it and then this is you know the type of design and so it was it was kind of like uh I mean, I wasn't literally printing out images and putting, the, putting them together on like a mood board or visual right. board, like some people might. Sure. But for me, that was more of a digital process, just mm-hmm. saving everything, gathering these ideas, making full, tons of folders on my computer. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very much a gather all your information, have a vision in your, in your mind. Um, and then after those six to eight months, I started reaching out to suppliers so that was an interesting. Process.
0: How was that process? I mean, because that's yeah. that's sort of the hurdle. I think that many people might, the point people get to, and might mm-hmm. get a little frustrated and say, "Okay, this maybe this isn't for me." So how how was that process?
1: So you definitely don't need to have a fashion or business background to uh, manufacture mm-hmm. a, a product, or you know, find a manufacturer sure. to make your product. I. Never could have even dreamt about doing this like five or ten years ago. But now I know that in today's world, with all the resources we have, um, it can be done. So I used a platform called Common Objective. And that, as far as I know, is still a free platform where you can connect. Anybody can connect with... uh, with uh, suppliers, manufacturers, even some artisan groups that are doing ethical, sustainable business. Um, most of the manufacturers on there are fair trade certified, as well as a bunch of other certifications. Um, like you can even filter results by certifications.
0: That's great. That's great.
1: Yeah, and they're, it's they're, they're, um, It's a directory for for suppliers and manufacturers all over the world. Um, So, again, if you're looking for someone in a particular region, you can filter Mm -hmm. by that. Um, For me, it was a great way to, again, connect with um, a lot of different, very knowledgeable suppliers Mm -hmm. who... um, I contacted a couple different people. I ended up choosing this this manufacturer mm-hmm. in India, um, again, in the West Bengal area of India. And they had a great design team that helped mm-hmm. me, since I didn't have a fashion background. Right. They helped me kind of put my vision into um, into real, like technical <laughs> right. drawings and, and make it happen.
0: Would, when you were looking at all these different suppliers, were you specifically looking at um, India because the exploitation of women there is is pretty large and mm-hmm. you kind of wanted to choose something there or was it just happened to be like look this is <laughs> this is where they had a you know a fair trade supplier and we really yeah. worked together well and that was that was kind of the deal
1: Yeah that's a great question so I I am Indian by origin I was born in India mm-hmm. and um, raised in the Chicago area so um, a lot of people think that, you know, I started this this bag business where the bags are made in India because of my connection to the country. And that's actually not really true. I um, Again, trafficking is a global mm-hmm. issue. And so I really, it didn't matter much to me like where we started. Um, I see us eventually even expanding to other parts of the world and making bags mm. um, in other areas, uh, working with other groups of exploited or at-risk women. So it just so happened that the manufacturer that worked out the best for me from the platform common objective Mm -hmm. was located in India. Um, And yes, it is a big problem there, definitely, Mm -hmm. you know, but as it is in a lot of other parts of the world. Um, So it kind of worked out that way. There is obviously some some advantage to picking an area where um you might be familiar with the language right. you know the people the culture that that definitely um is true but i'm also talking to manufacturers in nepal and bangladesh and guatemala right mm-hmm. now um and i don't speak all you know the languages in sure. all those areas so yeah. it it can be done yeah and um I would love to see a bag even developed in the United States mm-hmm. because a lot of people talk about trafficking as just this thing that's happening outside of this country, sure. and that's not true.
0: What's, what's the nonprofit that you guys work with now because you get 5% of every bag sold goes to a specific nonprofit that, that sort of helps with these? They, do they help teaching women how to sew? Is that through the nonprofit or is that through... Actually, your company where mm-hmm. the women get trained and, the, and are educated and sort of are developing skills to, to help them, you know, get out of a certain life.
1: So, yes, five percent of all our sales are donated to a nonprofit called New Light. Mm-hmm. Um, New Light works in the same community where the bags are made, and they actually work more with the children of the perfect okay. woman. Um, uh, okay. so initially I didn't really want like a charity portion of this business at all. Cause I really wanted to show people that you can have a for-profit business, mm-hmm. um, where you're you're creating job opportunities, training opportunities for your marginalized population, and you don't have to just give out handouts. Right. Um, but I decided to incorporate this 5% component because you can't put children to work. Um, right. And there's a huge cycle of exploitation happening mm-hmm. here that continues over generations. So as I think I was mentioning before, um, mm-hmm. The kids, you know, grow up in this environment. Mm-hmm. They have mothers that are being exploited or other family members. And then, you know, they fall into the same trap as they get older. So I wanted to help the children somehow. And, okay. and since you can't put children to work, um, at least we can Legally, give. some people do, though. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> we're not trying to do that. So <laughs> we wanted to um, work with a nonprofit that provides, like, shelter, housing, health care, uh, education Mm -hmm. to the children um the the other question you asked so the um the women are trained not through new light but rather the manufacturer that i'm working with so the manufacturer is another for-profit entity but they have um they have non-profit components to their business that allows them to um Give the, the woman sewing skills sure. and on site daycare and a number of other resources. Um, so my manufacturer and I, yeah, it's it's they're definitely my partners in this. That's like great. We work together <laughs> yeah. very closely, um, and that's why I think when you're trying to create a business, the supplier manufacturer you choose is very very important. Make sure you have you're picking the right people. Yeah. Um, that your values align and that you have a solid relationship established
0: it's um it had to be interesting because you started you you started just by like reading a book Mm -hmm. right and it kind of that one book sort of sparked something in you and then you know years later you kind of had that foundation in you and it stuck with you Mm -hmm. the whole time right and now it's you're creating a business and now affecting people's lives Mm -hmm. right every day and and we can help with that right as consumers we now have the power to to use our purchasing power to to solve things that maybe we didn't even know existed like you said um there's a lot of you know sex trafficking in america right people may not not know that and third world it's it's obviously probably broader and just different because there's just not you know media outlets there that might be able to cover it or you know the police might not be able to go undercover and you know get a sting like yeah great so I guess for for people out there is is what did you learn over your years of reading and researching and investigated into just to human trafficking and, and, and sex trafficking that that people should know right and, and then just some some tidbits to help us out as just normal people living our lives what should we know about it and how can we how can we help
1: mm-hmm so a lot of things come to mind. I mean, there um, the the International Labour Organization estimates that close to five million people are um, are are sexually exploited mm-hmm. globally, um, and and they say that about ninety nine percent of those are women and and uh, young children. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll focus on sex trafficking right now because okay. human trafficking also encompasses sure. labor trafficking sure. and so many other things but even just with sex trafficking um i think looking out for signs is a, mm-hmm. is a big is a big uh, thing we can all do just as ordinary you know people walking around mm-hmm. i mean sex trafficking um uh so any any time a minor is is involved in the commercial sex trade that's that's sex trafficking. Mm. Um, nothing else matters, like how they got there, where they came from. Mm-hmm. It's it's that sex trafficking. So um, you know, anytime you 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 have any reason to think that a minor might be sexually exploited, definitely you can call the the trafficking hotline, um, notify local authorities. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, let you know, let the let the people know that that because that, that's that's going to be trafficking for sure. Um, and then, if you are in certain professions or know somebody in certain professions, including healthcare, medicine, mm-hmm. um, uh, social work, counseling, um, these are people that come across victims a, a lot. And if they know, if they can spot it early on, mm-hmm. then we can intervene and help somebody out. Um, a lot of people don't know also like what trafficking is exactly. and yeah. so um, even I mean I didn't obviously until I read the book. so you know go out there and like watch documentaries, watch movies, watch uh, books about about any kind of trafficking and just educate yourself as you would as we should for so many different human rights issues environmental issues um so you know be an informed citizen like know what this means what's happening how to look for the signs um
0: how would you because that's a that's a good point that you made is that you know just defining what sex trafficking is right of what, what does that mean is it somebody is it you know, a teenager that is, you know, brought over from a different country into America and sold to an organization that then puts them to work, so to speak. Is that, you know, as a layman's term, is that kind of what, mm-hmm. what, it, what it may be?
1: Yeah, so I think the word trafficking itself, maybe because like traffic, road traffic, I don't know, it, yeah. it seems to... Um, You would think that it has to be some kind of like big movement right Mm -hmm. um and uh, sometimes yes trafficking does involve people coming uh, being brought over from a different country Mm -hmm. from the other side of the country but um not necessarily you can be trafficked in your own neighborhood so so really what it what it is is um to put it yes in like layman's terms just anybody being tricked um or exploited uh, for what were well, tricked and exploited for the purpose of, you know, commercial sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, again, like minors, if they're, even if, even if, uh, somehow like a, a young, you know, 15 year old had consented to join some kind of, um, commercial sexual activity, mm-hmm. uh, because, because 15 year olds, unfortunately are not, you know, their minds are not developed enough to be able to give that consent with, um, with all the education that they need. They, that we call that trafficking, trafficking for sure. So you, so, so you, all you, all it really involves is like some kind of, you know, trickery, some Mm -hmm. kind of, um,
0: manipulation,
1: manipulation, Right. Um, a lot of times like victims are um, are told that oh you know they're so pretty they' mm-hmm. they can make mm-hmm. a lot of money if they come along or, or perpetrators will act as um, boyfriends or like father mm-hmm. figures you know and use that as a way so so it might seem like the victim is you know agreeing to join right. this activity. But because that that, that involves manipulation and, and some form of trickery, that right. does um, mean trafficking. Um, so it gets it's very interesting. There's just so many different cases and so many different things that that can happen. But um, in the end, it's all some form of exploitation.
0: How has how has the the journey been to for you as now, you know, a business person, right? Maybe you know, taking off your your you know activist hat right and and actually creating something that is trying to solve a very complex issue how has that business journey been for you learning all the different ins and outs of creating a product like what price point should be like what's mm-hmm. affordable for people how much do we need to pay our workers so they feel like they're coming in to work with a purpose and actually You know, wanting to be here, you know, rather than it's—it's almost just a job. I mean, it's something that they look forward to every day. Like, how has that journey been like for you as a business person? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, developing this brand.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very difficult um, because I would, I would like to. Do so much more, you know, for these for these women in India as well as, like I said, you know, we want to expand to other parts of the world, and there's so many more resources that they need, and I would like to be able to provide. But in the end, yes, you are running a business, and you have to think about profit and loss, and you know, manage all your your resources. So it's it's kind of a constant um, struggle, and I think. Uh, when it comes to having a social enterprise like you're not necessarily trying to have the sort of margins that they might boast about on shrek tang (laughs) um like that's just i don't know if any social enterprise is able to meet them if they are like please tell me because i would like to talk to you about how on earth you made that happen because (laughs) that's just not something i've i see for for the empowerment bag you know we um and that's okay i think that's okay like i don't I don't need to get filthy rich off of this. I'm right. really just trying to create um, a great business. That yes, I would like it to be profitable, but also like yeah. I want to keep providing more and more resources for um, for these at risk women. Mm-hmm. So um, we. So again, my my manufacturer kind of helps so they are they are fair trade certified they obviously have to beat their those standards and provide fair trade wages mm-hmm. um as for as for myself like uh I'm constantly trying to come up with ways with the product design to keep the cost low. Right. Um, And also, I want to be able to, I I have kind of a certain standard for myself, like, okay, I'm not trying to necessarily create a luxury line of bags. I do want these to be affordable for the common person. Uh, But obviously, when you're trying to also provide fair trade wages, you can't. (coughs) dirt cheap bag.
0: Right, of course. Um, So it's
1: this constant kind of back and forth and you do your market research and you see what other people are doing and you put a product out there and then from there you try to, you know, you do try to lower your your cost as much as you can so that you can also sell it for a little less and make it more accessible Mm -hmm. to a wider variety of people. But one thing that remains constant is what the resources and the wages that we provide to um, a woman back in India. Um, we are not going to try to cut those wages sure. to sell a cheaper bag or yeah. to make a cheaper bag.
0: Would, uh, what are some of the, you know, the, the inspiring stories that maybe you've heard from from New Light or, or from your manufacturer? And, you know, have you guys spoken about, like, you know, how the women have, you know, are reacting to, to, you know, maybe having now a skill set they've never had before, right? And now earning mm-hmm. a, a fair income. Uh, for their family or maybe just for themselves so are you mm-hmm. able to share some stuff like that, that yes you heard?
1: yeah there's so many beautiful stories so so we're um, the work we do with the empowerment bag helps provide training and fair wages for over 250 women wow. in India um, and I mean there's there's many many stories where um, the woman came to this, this program in India, they were given, they were taught how to read and write. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, they're given their, 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 they learn how to sew, how to design, how to screen print. They start making the bags. Um, and they received their first paycheck, their first real, you know, salary from this work, because even though they'd been working before, like doing sex work of different kinds, I mean, it was, it was, um, it was all exploitation because they, sometimes they weren't paid at all. Um, or, I mean, and then, you know, their, um, I mean, what we call here pimps, like would give them, variety of excuses like oh i'm letting you live here so you're not going to get paid you know or i'm giving you food or look i'm watching your kids so you know you're not going to get any actual money um even so a lot of them yeah they had been working for so long but they would never actually received Mm -hmm. a real paycheck and um because of uh, the work that my partner facility in india does um they actually get a real a real salary a real paycheck. So with that actually comes some problems too because now if you you know if you're 20 something it's yeah. something like 25 and you you're getting your first paycheck and but you have been working for so long before that. Now all of a sudden you have all this money and with that comes power. Yeah. So we also um, help these women understand like budgets Financial how literacy. to save up. Yep. yep. Um, So going along with that, there's plenty of stories I know where women did save up and then they were able to put their kids through college, which is a big deal because um, for most of these women, yeah, they've never gone through college. The fathers, if they are in the picture, um, have minimal education, and so for the kids to go to college is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Um, So this work can really transform communities. Absolutely. Um, And I also have one specific story where um, a woman worked at our partner facility for years and she was able to buy the first water filter for her house. And that was the first water filter in their entire like little neighborhood. Nobody else had one. Um, so then, you know, everybody's asking her like, Oh, how did you get this, you know, water filter? Like, what are, what were you doing? You know, right. and now everybody's interested, like, yeah. what kind of work do you do? Oh, wow. You know, what is that program? Like, mm-hmm. how do, how do I get involved? Or, oh, I know someone who could really benefit from that. And so, um, it, it's really showing entire communities that if you, if you do, you know you can do good good work, and you can rebuild your life, and mm-hmm. in turn create opportunities for your kids, um, for people around you, and again change an entire community.
0: Yeah, and it goes to show the again back to the power that we have mm-hmm. as consumers of buying a backpack, right, or a bag. Yes. It's such a simple thing that you may do on, you know, if you're going to a new school year or you going on a vacation or or something. I mean. Uh, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's millions of bags bought every year, right? Yeah. By just an American consumer, not let mm-hmm. alone Europe and Asia and all these different places. But it just shows you that, you know, there's options out there for people when you just go buy a bag. It's, I don't know if it's no longer what the brand name is, right? Mm-hmm. Or how many pockets it has, right? I think as we learn more about, you know, the brands and companies that every year started by, by entrepreneurs like you, we as a consumer now it's on us mm-hmm. right like it's available you know anybody can go to to empowerbag.com bag that they can buy a bag themselves yeah. right like it's it's not hard anymore and, right. and plus the products are premium now i mean mm-hmm. you're going through you know market research and you're going through this professional manufacturers like it there's no difference between your backpack and like a traditional Adidas backpack or something right. other people yeah. buy so i think it's on us now. Like you, you've done your job, right? Like I think it's it's now on the consumer to really start to make that decision at mass scale. Mm-hmm. So you can hire more women. Yes. Right. More 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 things. More lives can be changed all by us simply making a consumer choice that we already do anyway every day.
1: Yes. And yeah, we were talking before about how, uh, I mean, what can we do, ordinary people, Mm -hmm. you know, to fight sex trafficking? And I think yes, um, like our purchasing power is huge, and no matter what you know socioeconomic class you belong to, like you make decisions every day about what to buy and what to not. And obviously, some things are more expensive and some things are cheaper, but there's there's decisions to make every day, and so wherever you can. Um, try to try to make a difference with your buying power. Meaning, you know, buy fair trade, buy um, buy organic, mm-hmm. buys um, something made from uh, eco friendly, you know, products. Yeah. Something with a mission, a good social mission behind it. Like, please do. You know, if you're gifting <laughs> something, yeah. Um, that's a great opportunity to buy something Absolutely. that uh, that is very unique and that carries with it like a great story. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. Like it is, it is on us. And even though I, I make these bags, I have to like choose my chocolate or my coffee every day, you know, or my clothes. And so, um, it doesn't even (laughs) for people like me, right. It doesn't end here. Like a bag is just one product. Then there's other things and there's other companies and brands out there. Um, doing similar things, but maybe for different causes, or they have a different kind of business model. So, you know, look around you; it's all out there. And um, nowadays, everything's online, so yeah, it's it's getting easier and easier to find these people, find these businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to actually give your money to them and choose to make that decision, and tell, and then spread the word. Tell other people. Tell your friends and family. Yeah.
0: what's um. Are are most of your sales from the United States or do you see global consumers?
1: Yeah, so we um, just for working out our shipping, like logistics and everything. Mm -hmm. Initially, we said we would only ship within the U.S. Um, Right now we are expanding that to being able to ship globally. But that's a very, very recent change. So um, uh, the majority of our sales, yes, are still within the within the U.S. and also like you know Canada and yeah. and all, but um, we do hope to be able to ship um, to have more customers globally and and be able to ship ship to them with ease.
0: Yeah, and affordability. Yeah, yes. like. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: a little it's a little hard when you're starting off. So yeah. I've seen a lot of other businesses to kind of start off like uh, um, in whatever country they're they're located in, and then you know expand as they as they feel comfortable.
0: Yeah, it's one of the like. Hidden, not hidden cost, but it's just something you don't think about when yes. you're starting a business. You're like, oh, do these bags or do these shoes, and oh yeah, here's the margins on the product. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh wait, we have to ship them. Yes, <laughs> like there's legitimate cost to that that can absolutely you know change your your price point. Yes, you know because especially if if you do eventually want to ship. You know, to a lot of places, and not just the U.S. It's it's something people <laughs> need to think about when mm-hmm. they do that because it is, it is a big deal. Um, the one thing I, I like to talk to to people in the manufacturing industry or the fashion industry is materials mm-hmm. um, because we are at a point where it's becoming it's becoming a, a massive problem mm-hmm. uh, for the environment is that. When people buy things our consumption is so deep is that we buy a lot of a lot of stuff <laughs> and a lot of that stuff can end up in the ocean right or ends mm-hmm. up in landfills and it's it becomes you know a detriment to society rather than you know a benefit um so have you guys looked at ways to use um recycled materials and figured out a, a way to eventually incorporate that into into that to the production that you guys do
1: yes um yeah, so right now our, our bags that are available on our website are um, made of a, d- a jute um, material that is actually recyclable. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's not recycled, but it's recyclable. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we uh, and then we also have organic cotton bags. Um, we are coming out with a little like a pouch that you okay. can use for you know makeup or toiletries, um, your shaving equipment, right. um, and that bag on the inside will be lined with recycled saris which is um a type of clothing in in india they're usually made of cotton or silk um but yeah, it's a woman's clothing, and so so the the manufacturer that I work with has access to a lot of these recycled saris, and they're able to line um, our bags with them. So that's something that I would love to see on more bags. But we're starting off with the with the smallest um, pouch that will be available in a in a couple months. What's
0: the jute? That you said jute.
1: Jute. Yes, <laughs> jute. Um, J u t e is. Um, it, it's it's a little bit rougher material but um like rougher than cotton basically um so it's gr- is it grown like, is it it's strong? grown okay. yes it's grown and it's grown in quite abundance and especially in this particular region of of india that it comes from mm-hmm. uh, but all throughout india it's it's very abundant it's very sustainable mm-hmm. um it's uh it's got really not any like harmful side effects sure. to the to the environment. The only reason why I think we don't see a lot more of it is, um, again, like I was saying, it's kind of got a rougher texture to it than than something like cotton, um, and so people you know, want, like, a nice soft bag. They may not right. want that rough texture. But we're, so we can also do, like, a jute cotton blend. Okay. Which is, which makes it pretty soft. I mean, you gotcha. can't even tell. Um, our, our satchel bag right now is made completely of jute. And um, I, I use it all the time. It's a great, like, ordinary, everyday bag. And it's, when you touch it, yes, it's a little bit rough. But it's not like it's going to poke you or anything. Gotcha. Like, all the fibers can be, um, they're, it's, pretty malleable so like they can be bent and structured to make like a nice um a nice piece that's not yeah not going to poke you not going to poke other people Um, (laughs) it's
0: just more tough like durability yeah
1: yeah some people compare it to like hemp a little bit you know um but the great thing about the jute is that it's um even though it's it's kind of a rougher texture it's It does great with moisture, so you can take the bag out in rain, and it will Mm. get wet, but, like, it dries so quickly, and it can keep the stuff inside um, pretty dry, too. So, that's, yeah, that's kind of a... We we get mixed feedback on it, too, because some people like that it's so natural, and they like the difference in texture, but other people want, like, a very soft bag, and so in the future, we'll probably just continue to provide kind of different options for different people's likings
0: what are some of the because in the beginning we talked about the book that you read yes um, is there any other um books or or documentaries or videos that are really really interesting and sort of really give you a really broad feel of 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 sex trafficking oh, yeah. that, that people can you know digest easily and, and kind of you know, just just educate themselves.
1: Yes, I mean, I could probably come up with like a whole book list and or media list. Really, <laughs> let's do three. But <laughs> um, yeah, so so I I will have to. Let's see, pull stuff out, though, because so to be honest, like when I when I was in high school, when I was in college, like I just devoured this stuff. And part okay. of that is I felt I felt more helpless back then. And like yeah. I, I couldn't do too much. And so but so I was like, at least I can read, at least I can, you know, watch things. Right. And so I encourage all the the students out there to um to, now I know you can do more than just that, but definitely at least start there, you know, like read, watch, and then, you know, as you, as you, get older, as you become more independent, as you have more maybe capital or access to capital, like you can obviously keep expanding on that work. Um, but yes, I actually still recommend that first book, The Natasha's. I just remember the author's name, Victor mm-hmm. Um It's a great book. It's it's not that well known, so I definitely want to put like a word out there for sure. it. Um, and that's about the trafficking of Eastern European mm-hmm. women specifically. Um, he also wrote another book called the Johns, which is about the, um, um, I guess the, uh, the buying, you know, customers, um, so to say, of yeah, of, um, of sex work.
0: Uh, um,
1: and it's got some great like interviews and, and, uh, conversations that are written down in there. And, I think that's a perspective that we don't get all that often. Yeah. So that book really helps um, you understand like where's the demand for this stuff coming from, mm-hmm. and so I think a lot of times we don't think about how to curb de- how to curb the demand, and we just focus on like let's help these right. victims, you know. And it go- yeah. It, I mean, economics is point. supply and demand. It's so pl- yeah. it's just, just like, yeah. like
0: drugs. I mean, we, we always want to. You know stop try to stop all the you know the, the gangs and the cartels what's you know they're doing it because there's this billion dollar business where people are buying it mm-hmm. you know so if you stop the purchasing of it then in essence you could stop the you know the supply side of things but yes as long as people are, are buying it like there's going to be people who are going to profit off of it and make yes. money so i think that's a that's a great. That's a great idea. I mean, it's a great book. It's. I think that's a great idea for a book, right? Yeah. So it's. A, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. an interesting perspective. You're right. Like we just we don't get that side of things yeah. a lot.
1: Check that out, and then Half the Sky by Nicholas Kristoff and Wu Wudun, which is this like great um, husband wife uh, journalist reporting writing pair um, out there. That it's uh, that book is so that the. The tagline, that subheader, whatever you want to call it, is like turning oppression into opportunity, Mm -hmm. um, I believe is what it is. So I think that's great because that book showcases a lot of different global issues, primarily women's issues, um, everything from trafficking to like infant mortality and maternal health Mm -hmm. problems um, include like obstetric fistulas and (laughs) crazy things that i had never heard of before and then i read and i was like wow you know to um just uh education problems where like women girls are are taken out of schools at like extremely young ages and boys are encouraged to keep going to Mm. school um so all kinds of like different issues pertaining to women and, and girls are showcased in that book um and they also have a movie, a documentary to go along with it that okay. they made after the book because the book garnered so much attention. It was the
0: same name? But yes, same
1: Half the Sky. Um, and the last thing I'll say is a very new book called um, Buy the Change You Want to See by Jane Moshbacher Morris. Um, Jane's a good friend of mine. She she um, started a marketplace called To the Market. Okay. Um, that's, a, that's an online marketplace for like different goods that support different causes right. um, and now she's all going more into ethical custom goods so she okay. saw how there's all these like corporations out there that have annual um, totally. galas and or they're just giving their employees like bags yeah, and bags, cups yep. and
0: totally. yep.
1: coffee mugs and she thought okay like they usually have money for that they have pretty big budgets totally. set aside yep so they're going to buy these things anyways why not buy something that's ethically made um and then we can like put your logo on it you know brand it however you want and then you're also educating all these employees or all these guests about this kind of work so um the book is actually not exactly about that it's really just about our purchasing power something we were talking about earlier and how we can make a difference with that so buy the change you want to see and yeah it's a great book
0: what's uh so from back what your business had on a little bit um, how have have you looked into the pros and cons of, of trying to get the product into stores versus selling it you know directly online have you has that been a mindset that you guys take? because i think this is a struggle now of like you know should we just really concentrate on having like the greatest website ever mm-hmm. and the shopping experience there rather than trying to put our you know our product in, in these stores where you know it's gonna cut our margins down and you yes. know it's just how have you kind of dealt with that part?
1: Yeah, that's great because that's something I think about every day. Um, <laughs> so we only started doing wholesale this this year in in January of uh, actually February of twenty nineteen. Um, so it's still pretty new for us. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it does uh, when you try to do wholesale and get into stores. It's great exposure, right. but it does um, really just do incredible damage to your margins. Um, and, and so the way I've kind of went about that is, um, I definitely want to focus on direct to consumer online sales. Um, but, and, and before I go into the, but the, the reason for that is this is, this is a brand it's, um, I want it to be a global brand, a household brand. Mm-hmm. So you know, I want this to be easily accessible, and I, right. I do want to have that great website that people can just come to and buy a bag from. Right. Um, but then I thought about how a lot a lot of people still like to go into a physical store yeah. Yeah. and look at a product, especially with like clothes and accessories. They want to wear it. They want to mm-hmm. look at themselves in the mirror. wearing it so i want to be there for those people um and then also at the end of the day if i'm trying to create training and job opportunities for um these at-risk women then you know why should i be denying this whole um um market this whole the whole like wholesale sure you know, get yeah. your bags into stores option, right? Yeah, because that they still can, have to
0: produce the, the bags, right? To and, and that can create yeah. these
1: jobs for these women. So I feel like it would be kind of wrong of uh, of me to yeah. to ignore that whole aspect, and just for the you know the profit margins, basically. Yeah. Um. So it is a, it is a big struggle though to to get it to where that can be doable. But it is um it's great exposure to have your bags in in stores. So we we do still. We we do um, wholesale.
0: Do you have, have you done it locally in Chicago yet? Is there anywhere we can go? Um, sh-
1: we are breaking into some small boutique shops in Chicago, but right now um, we're actually for some reason like on the West Coast a lot. Um, I don't know how that happened, but um, <laughs> like in Washington, even in Alaska. Nice. So okay. yeah, that's that's very interesting, and <laughs> I'd love to know why. I have a I have a. Um, a little notion about that and it might be that so so in washington we were told that um in the seattle area since they have such crazy weather you know they they want something that's that looks more rugged and natural um and our bags are not meant to be like brand name michael kors you know uh coach you know anything i mean we're not Right but those now,
0: aren't going to hold up outside right right
1: we're For not doing handbags who, or anything and mm-hmm. so like the the outdoorsy adventurous yeah. people like the look of our bags um, and they do pretty well in in all kinds of weather so yeah. they're meant to be they're meant to be like commuter bags you yeah. know taken everywhere and um, our customers I guess like that especially <laughs> on the west coast like the Pacific Northwest coast
0: the last question I'll ask is or statement I'll make is that what, what would you what would you say to to, to students or um, you know people just that you know maybe have wanted to start something like like you did and kind of have maybe a little bit of a dream and just need to figure out get inspired a little bit on and how to do it. Like what would your recommendations be to them? What would you say them to say that to them if, if they're wanting to become sort of a social entrepreneur so to speak? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what, what advice would you give to them?
1: Yeah. Well, it can definitely be done, even <laughs> if you think it can't. Um, there's a way to do it. So you have to be flexible. But um, first thing is just, like, start doing your research. Start Googling whatever you need to Google, like anything. How to make a yep. bag, how to find a manufacturer, um, you know, ethical manufacturers, like, uh, go to Common Objective, the platform I mentioned. I yep. mean, all kinds of all kinds of stuff just start like every day do one thing for your idea gather some kind of information save links make folders with images of things you like things that are inspirations for you um and then from there, also start connecting with, um, with founders, with designers, you know, that you, that you admire. So like if someone reaches out to me to ask me how I started the empowerment bag, if I have any resources for them, I, I, I always try to help out like, sure. if I don't contact me again because I want to. <laughs> so I, um, I think there's a lot of other people like that out there, especially in the, like the social entrepreneurship space. Cause we all, we all struggled. We all yeah. probably still struggle. So totally. we want to, we want to help you out. And also, um, I think, I just feel like this isn't as competitive as like some other businesses might be with each other because we're all trying to
0: 100%. Do,
1: have a positive social impact. And I think, um, these kind of leaders like understand that it happens through collaboration and helping each other out. Right. So reach out to reach out to people that, you know, you just find, um, motivating and inspiring and and, um, those connections can help you out because like once you actually maybe have a sample made like you can maybe send it to us and we can give you feedback Mm. or if you need um, possible like manufacturers or suppliers maybe I know somebody I can connect you to them Um, so all that helps out and then as far as funding goes because funding is obviously like a big problem Yeah. so yeah tell friends and family about your idea because you never know who wants to help you out, um, tell everybody you can, and then still, if you don't have enough money, if people aren't ready to give it to you, I went down a crowdfunding route, yep. I set up an Indiegogo campaign, I'm not a very popular person, I didn't think that I would ever find enough but people to support it. But you are 100% funded, right? Yep, 104%. <laughs> um The four matters. Yeah. So... It happened, you know, and and, um, and you also don't need to have, like, some crazy goal. Like, we were only trying to raise $4,000 at first to right. get, get our the first, first run, yeah. batch of inventory. So, it doesn't have to be this, like, looming number, you know, that's um, that just seems impossible. Um, but even if it is a big number, you can get there. You really can. So... Social media is, you know, big today, you you can connect with strangers on the other side of the country or the other side of the world, and they might find something interesting about your idea and want to support you somehow. So I think, um, as far as funding goes that you know, there's also like incubators um there's a halcyon incubator in dc which um is meant for like social enterprises either non, so you can be you can be a non-profit you can be a for-profit you can be a hybrid um, how do you spell that h-a-l-c-y-o-n okay um and definitely look into programs like that where you don't even need your idea like completely figured out, but you yeah. do need to show that you have been doing work towards gotcha. making it happen. And that's why I say the most important piece of advice is every day do something to make your idea mm. um, happen, to make your dream come true.
0: The one one follow up <laughs> real quick was yeah. that for the crowdfunding because I think it's it can be such a powerful engine and it can be a little daunting too. So. Um, you know, even raising like four, or five thousand, seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars, like that's that's a big thing for a startup. So, how did you go about it? Did you just sort of email your friend email list, your family list, um, you know, just put it out on social media? What were some of the tactics that, that you took yeah. to to raise the money?
1: Yeah, it was hard at first because what I started doing like wasn't working. So mm-hmm. what I started doing <laughs> um, is well i had told all my friends and family before i before the launch date of the campaign that i'm doing this um, but i told them like verbally you know and mm. i told everybody once right. you know and then i find i find out that okay i'm super passionate about this but everybody else doesn't necessarily care nearly as much you yeah. know but, the, but so so i have to remind them i have to kind of get in their face about about these things and so that's where like more intense social media marketing comes in you know set just like update your status all the time and post about your campaign um your few few friends and family um that do support you right away like get them to share your your page um try out maybe paid advertising it didn't do too well for me but it's some for some other people it has Mm -hmm. done well so start off with like a small budget if you can afford to and and try it out um and then uh also yeah making like giving a sense of urgency so i was never mentioning um the fact that, like, this is a limited time thing, like, right. I was making it sound like, oh, here's this thing I put out there, go support it. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, okay, like, only for a month, you know, yeah, or yeah, now yeah. there's only a week left mm-hmm. or whatever the 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 timeline is. Like, make that known to people so that they know to, like, do it today. Right. Um, and other, otherwise people just keep pushing it off and then they'll you're you're done and then people tell you you know oh i wanted to support
0: you (laughs) and so it's like (laughs)
1: make it urgent for them or or, uh, let them know that this is that this is important and that it's ending soon um and oh and then i kind of went down did some like more old-fashioned things as the campaign continued so i made posters and put them Mm. up in coffee shops and libraries Um, i actually put one up at my workplace because i had um I had a a day job, so to say, when I first launched the Empowerment Bag. Um, And I put up a poster, and somebody saw it. Somebody I had from a different department that I had never worked with before, she saw it, and the same day, she went and ordered, like, six bags, which was the most that anybody ordered from from our crowdfunding campaign. Um, And it was really funny because, like... Few hours later they took the poster down um because i guess i wasn't allowed to put a poster up in that particular area sure. um but hey it got me no, like yeah. the biggest it, it did sale job, of the it did job. Campaign. <laughs> so i'm not saying go out there and do things you're not supposed to but at the same time like go out of your comfort zone yeah. you know and 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 if you think you know you if you Even if you think, like, oh, I'm not going to put this poster here, no, nobody's going to see it. Like, it doesn't hurt. Put it up. You never yeah. know who's going to walk past it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, don't be afraid to try, like, the old-fashioned techniques, too. Just go all out and um, do things that... That might make you a little uncomfortable, but um, it might be the way that somebody else learns or that somebody else gets their information, even if it isn't what you typically do.
0: Yeah. And even like you said, if it's one person that sees it, that one person might. Yeah. Buy five
1: bags. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's <laughs> and then also it says like tell try to tell people in the activities that you participate in. So if you have a day job, like tell your coworkers, you know. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. have a particular group you're part of, like even if what you're building, your your business so to say doesn't directly relate to that activity, tell Tell the people that you um, that you work with or that you participate in an activity with, because sometimes people just care about you like they care. They're ah, interested in you as point. a person and what you're building. Um, so it goes both ways. You obviously you want people to be interested in your product or your service. Right. But um, the founder, you know, the starter, that person is is very important and you're mm. the face of your brand. Yeah. So um, some people will believe in you and they'll want to support your your business for that reason.